Welcome to the Interviewing Artists series. This podcast is dedicated to interviewing undergraduate studio art students at the University of Guelph in partnership with the Juried Art Show and Kaleidoscope Magazine. We are recording in Guelph on the treaty land, home to many First Nations, Inuit and Métis. We acknowledge the Mississaugas of the Credit First Nation of the Anishinaabek peoples on whose traditional territory we are meeting. So, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, I just thought I would start off sort of introductory kinds of things. Um, did you come to University of Guelph directly from high school? Uh, no, actually, I came as a mature student. I'd already been to college twice before. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And so then my next question is, if you didn't do that, why did you come back now? <laughs> Good question. Um, well, I went to business school before, and I had a couple small businesses to pay the bills, but I'd always wanted to go to art school since I was a child and all through high school, and I never did. Um, so when I ended up choosing to go back to school for anthropology, I found out I could double major with studio art, and I was like, hey, this is my chance. So I took a double major, and now I'm doing studio art, <laughs> finally. <laughs> So are you doing studio art and anthropology? Yes. Oh, okay. Interesting. Did you do any art before you came to U of G? Yeah, I've been doing art in some capacity basically my whole life. Um, nothing huge, I guess. Like I've never shown in galleries or anything yet. But um, I picked up a couple of... Uh, commissions for murals in kids' rooms and stuff when I was younger. Uh, I've done designs for other people that were then turned into other things, like stained glass windows that I didn't build but designed. Um, I actually was a makeup artist for a while, so... <laughs> yeah, so it was kind of a tangent to an actual art practice, but I always tried to stay in the realm of doing creative things while doing regular jobs because that was just very important to me. Wow. That variety probably helps you too when you're at school. I mean, you've got other things that you can draw on. Um, what is your earliest childhood memory? And does it connect to your art practice? I think my earliest memory of doing something artistic, I don't know what my earliest memory was. <laughs> uh, yeah, connected to my art practice. Um, there was a show when I was a kid called Art Attack. <laughs> sure, a lot of people in my age group might remember it. But uh, it was just like simple at-home things for drawings and crafts for kids that I would do. Uh, and he always did like giant art things like in a big room and he'd make a huge larger than life uh drawing and say salt on the on the ground or with like a tractor in a snowy field or whatever so I would do things like that all over my living room floor with like folded paper and stuff <laughs> as a oh. child <laughs> so that was a tv show yep it looks like you are connected with the print archives mm-hmm like on your um, mail or something. Oh, on my email signature. You, you're in that office? Are you working in that office or something? 
Uh, I have a URA position or an undergrad research assistantship working in the Baczynski Chu print study collection. Um, so basically just working on some research about the prints that are part of the collection and um, working on some collection management systems for people who are going to continue curation moving forward. Does that tie in with what your interests are, sort of? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really cool to be able to work with original prints. The collection's fantastic. It's got a lot of yeah. a representation of Canadian artists, but also some international artists and the world-renowned artists that most people would be familiar with, um, you know, some Picassos and Rembrandts and stuff. Uh, but to be able to be in the presence of those and see them um, in person has been fantastic. Limited with COVID, but great for the day that we got in there. Um, as far as the research part goes, though, I think that's really valuable uh, coming from a background with, or like working on a career with art and anthropology, the art history component and being able to like talk to contemporary artists that are still practicing that are represented in the collection. And um, just, yeah, it's that, it's that tangible component to art that's not making it or studying things from a hundred years ago. It's kind of a cool middle ground. That's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Hmm. How long have you been working there? Just since September? Um, since the summer when COVID started. Nice. Yeah. I've been there and I was amazed at how, what a good collection they have. I mean, we don't hear about it much. But it's amazing. Can you describe your art and your art practice? My art is kind of all over the place. My art practice is also. Uh, by that, I just mean like I have a lot of interests in different types of making art. So like different media. I paint. Um, do I, I, I crochet and do fiber arts and I make jewelry and sculpture so I'm, I dabble I kind of hyper fixate on something for a while and then jump to something else and then I'll see if I can figure out how to pull them together so my practice in that regard is a little chaotic um, and for a long time I really struggled with that actually trying to like figure out how to pick a thing to be an expert at and do that one thing so that anybody who sees it can know it was me but it can't work that way. So now I'm really focusing on embracing my scattered attention span and my wanting to play with all of the different things and then trying to figure out and experiment with different ways that I can bring fiber arts or wire work from jewelry making into maybe sculpture or how can I put that together with painting or printmaking and um just kind of playing with the idea that things can be art pieces that are conceptual or visually aesthetic as well as being functional. Cause a lot of like jewelry making and fiber arts, that's all functional things that usually get clumped into craft. So it's like, can that be art? Can art live in the world of craft? Does it matter? <laughs> How do I play with them together? It's, it's a lot more fun to experiment that way than to try and, force uh force myself to kind of pick one thing and just 
live there. So that's sort of similar to me. <laughs> so you're not alone. It's nice to um, hear. <laughs> is there a particular event or situation in your life that you link to your decision to be an artist? Uh, as, as a beginning process, I don't think so. I just, uh, when I was a kid, I liked drawing and grownups would always tell me that I was so good at it. <laughs> so like positive feedback initially kind of kept me going interested in it, I suppose. But now I think like life things, instead of being the reason that I make art are more of an influence on what art I make mm -hmm. or what types of things I'm trying to work out or represent or experiment with at that time. Are there artists or people in your life that inspire you? I think since I've been in the program at Guelph, working with other students, trying to get our practices going or some people that already have their practices going and are just here to maybe learn some different skills or whatnot. That's really inspiring. That's, I actually really miss working in the uh, studios on campus. I'm looking forward to when we can get back there. But I think just the people in my life generally inspire a lot of my work. Um, I have a painting series that I'm ever so slowly working through. Um, doing portraits of people I know who have been through, you know, traumatic or um, emotionally draining situations in their lives and kind of focusing just on them in that one portrait moment that belongs to them. Um, <clears throat> I've done some work where things centered around mental health, um, I recently got diagnosed with ADHD, so I really wanted to kind of play with that notion of how does one visualize the weird inner aspects of our brains that don't function in a way that's like familiar to people that don't have ADHD or uh, that was very cool because in class some people were experimenting with like things like depression and anxiety. There's a lot of crossover there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, I, I kind of move through the world and every once in a while something kind of tap dances in front of me and says, make something with this idea. So <laughs> I just go with it. <laughs> yeah, got to be open to things. What art project are you most proud of? It's hmm. a good question. I think I'm proud of different things for different reasons. Um, the first portrait in that series that I was just talking about, I was very proud of that one because it didn't turn out the way that I had imagined it in my head, but it turned out better than I had expected also. <laughs> I kind of surprised myself with that one. And because it's an emotional topic that inspired the painting series, it wasn't really important to me necessarily that the that my inspiration came across to the viewer, but I wanted some form of emotional link to come across to the viewer. And so far, everybody who's looked at that painting and the one that's uh, the second one I'm doing that's in process right now, I'm getting a lot of feedback that there is an emotional component that they feel drawn to it and that they see humanity there. And uh, that's more than I ever could have hoped for because that's what I wanted to articulate and 
hadn't done it before. So I didn't know if I could, and I want to do at least eight paintings. So can I do it eight times? I don't know, but it was, I'm very proud of that one because I do feel like it worked well. You don't always know that you're going to capture what you're trying to capture. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes you capture it maybe in a different way or something. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. like, you have a plan with the painting and then the painting becomes what it becomes, right? Sometimes stuff works. Sometimes things are not what you expected and they're better or you got to figure out a workaround. Like, yeah, it's this kind of constant push and pull between your plan and what paint actually can do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Has your practice changed since uh, COVID or working from home or, you know, not being in the classroom or? Yes and no. Um, I think I think it's kind of just as scattered and chaotic as it always was. So that hasn't changed. Um, but I've noticed that my my working process has changed a lot. Um, my studio is in the garage and it's too cold to use right now. So anything larger scale or with oil paints or resins that I use for sculptures with the fumes, I can't do any of that right now. So I've been spending a lot more time at things that I can do at the desk inside small scale um, pieces. I'm doing a printmaking course right now. So I'm experimenting outside of that with some fabric prints and things like that. Um, yeah, it's really, it's really just taken, I, I like working big and now I have to work small, but I'm also kind of finding ways to make that work for me. And it's also really enjoyable. It's kind of nice to maybe finish a piece in less than a week or a month. <laughs> You've had to modify it a little bit because of the working in the garage before. Mm -hmm. Has the learning at Guelph uh, shifted your practice? very much or has it deepened it kind of or a hundred percent to both I think um <clears throat> before I came here I did drawings I primarily just did pencil drawings or ink drawings or um I would draw an oil pastel and then blend it out with turpentine to make painting-ish drawings <laughs> Uh, and I had a very strongly held belief that I was not capable of painting because I always felt like the pencil was an extension of my hand and a paintbrush suddenly became this large unruly mop that I couldn't control. <laughs> so coming to Guelph, I, I decided very intentionally to take painting classes. I wanted to get past that. I wanted to work more in color theory and just really try and take hold of something that I fully convinced myself I could not do. So that's been fantastic. Um, and in sculpture, I used to do a lot of construction type jobs when I was younger. So taking some of those bill paying skills, woodworking and things like that, and having an opportunity to experiment with techniques in an artistic capacity and just different ways of looking at what sculpture is and how it can be interpreted. Yeah, I think it's it's broadened my my practice a lot because now I'm looking at ways where I can take uh, crochet and the wire work from jewelry and maybe even painting, and I can use other various materials to pull all of those into the realm of sculpture where I can make them live together as one piece. That's very exciting for me. Lots of variety. 
Mm-hmm. I get bored very easily. <laughs> that may be an issue that lots of artists have. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'm alone there. <laughs> no, I've heard that from other people. Said I'm always bored. Well, I'm never bored because I'm always doing stuff. Yep. What do you do when you're not creating? Like in your spare time? Honestly, this is going to sound really cheesy, but I don't honestly feel like it really stops. If I'm not actively making things, I'm thinking about a process that I want to try or a product I want to try, or I'm watching a YouTube video on how to use this new thing I found that I don't know how to use and planning it. And I write down a lot of ideas because if I don't, they're gone and I'll never do it. Yeah, I think it's always just kind of a, at least a low din in the background noise of my brain. <laughs> other than that, yeah, it's, uh, other than that, yeah, I, I, I write papers for my other schoolwork and hang out with my boy and that's about it. <laughs> You've always got art on your mind, it sounds like. Lots of the time you're thinking about it if you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. I th- it's a, it's an escape. It's um, when you can't sit still. Art's always been something that can make me sit still. I can, it, it holds my interest. You know, I feel better after I do it. If things are stressful or I'm getting overwhelmed with work and school and all of that, it's like sit down and make something, and it kind of lets the demons out a little bit, mm-hmm. and you can move forward with the day a little more clear. At least for me. Do you have any thoughts or words for someone who's struggling to figure out direction with their art practice? I suppose it's really, in a way, a question about, you know, if you've been there, what what is it that helps you? I'm not what I would consider in a position to be giving people advice about how to get to a place because I'm not in a place where any roadmap would take you anywhere really. (laughs) But um, yeah, if somebody's struggling or feeling stuck or really creative and maybe feels like they can't art, whatever their definition of art is, um, my advice is honestly just to do it. (laughs) If if you're drawing and you're sketchy and kind of, rugged pencil marks and it's not very refined just lean into that and let it be what it is you know if you're nervous about what people are going to think who cares what people think you know even even the most celebrated sold for a bajillion dollars artworks are contested with whether or not they're good it's if it needs to start with being about only the process and having fun with it that's exactly where it needs to start and that's totally fine and it's totally fine to not do it for a while and it's totally fine to switch directions and do something completely different and maybe bounce back and forth and maybe you never pick up that first thing ever again and it's all fine there really are no rules and I found a lot more satisfaction with my practice when I started embracing those ideas instead of trying to fit myself into whatever kind of image I had of what an artist is supposed to be (laughs) just make things (laughs) yeah well that's good advice. It's funny how uh, maybe there is something. I, I'm not exactly sure where the sort of intimidation comes from, you know, that we really can't do it. or And what is the it? Mm-hmm. It's hard to even determine where that comes from. But mm-hmm. all of a sudden there's some intimidation or I don't know. 
Absolutely. And I don't think that necessarily goes away even after you get a little success or maybe you sell something or people are like, Hey, that's really great. Awesome idea. It's like, you still, I think that still creeps in for people all the time. Maybe it's just not as loud or you get used to more skilled at ignoring it. I don't know. I, I was really intimidated by being a painter, the idea of being a painter, because that's what I was doing. And then I come to art school and then it's like, what if I can't paint? What if I can't paint? So I left painting till the very end. I did print and I did sculpture and I did a whole bunch of stuff, sort of almost like building up some confidence mm-hmm. to take on the painting. Yeah, well, that's a that's a trap too, right? We come here and it's like, you get this mentality. It's not that you're here to learn. It's here to kind of learn while you're showing off what you already know. Oh no, what if I know nothing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. But now it's sort of different because there's many more things that I didn't know about that are associated with art that interest me too. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, there's another another smorgasbord there that I didn't see before, you know, that what has it got to offer? Well, thank you. I, I'm glad to have met you and I'm glad that you have the tech savvy skills to do all this. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to meet you too. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the interviewing artist series. You can check us out on Instagram at juryedartshow or kaleidoscope underscore U of G. Original music by Cam Hind.